Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, lads. Thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Don't forget to like and subscribe and head over to the Patreon to contribute and help us out. Thanks a million and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Nories podcast. I'm your host, James Enno, joined by my good friend, Timmy Dan. Hi, everyone. Uh, Rowan is on the deck. Say hi, Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Um, tonight, we're up in Churchfield, as always, up in a sweltering heat <laughs> of a Thursday night, and we have our own uh, on. Lightweight boxer, super featherweight. Yeah. Uh, James Power, how are you keeping, James? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. It's great to have you here. Um, you're one of our youngest guests. You're only twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Keen O'Manny might be our youngest at nineteen. But it's great to have younger lads on because we've a young audience as well. You know. Mm. But um, I know you as your family's originally from Knocknahinny and Hallyhill. Yeah. Um, where we're from, um, but you're a McCroom lad. Yeah, so I'm living in Dripsy now at the moment. Um, nice part of the world. Yeah. Nice, nice little garden centre out, out there. Out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, I love it out in Dripsy and next to the river there. Yeah. and There's plenty of running in it out there. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. um, it's peaceful. You know, it's beautiful out there, but um, you'd be known as a boxer. Yeah. But for the people that don't know yeah, do you, want to tell us a little about who you are and where you're from? So my name is James Power. Um, I'm Ireland's youngest ever professional boxer. Um, I turned professional at the age of 17 years old. Um, I'd done it while I was in my final year of secondary school. So while I was completing my leaving cert, um, I traveled to Tijuana, Mexico, um, obtained a professional boxing license because I was under the age of 18. Um, fought professionally, made my debut, won it, and then got on a plane the next day and was back in school the day after that. <laughs> Um, so a little, little that's different. The, yeah, that's that's mad. That is mad. Like. Yeah, it's absolutely class. Yeah, fair player. Thank you. <laughs> what was it? Don't be. be we, we backtrack. What was the clubs you were in when you were growing up? So, um, the first boxing club I suppose uh, I trained in was McCroom Boxing Club. Um, you know, my first few years were there. Um, that closed down unfortunately, and myself and a few other. I suppose, main boxers moved to Fort Horgans and I had the rest of my amateur career with Fort Horgans before I turned professional. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Noli Murphy, he's from Don't Know yeah. isn't he? So when I began boxing, Noli would have been one of the lads that I was looking up to in the gym. Um, he would have been one of the main fighters and, you know, that beginning few years I was with Noli. Only turned professional. Um, I don't think he came to Fort Organs with us. He might have mm-hmm. turned professional just before we went. And um, yeah, he went on that way and 
we ended up following. Yeah, uh, when Noli was at, up preparing for a fight in Madison Square Gardens a couple of years ago, he was doing his strength and conditioning with Shane Suttle, who yeah. was on the podcast here before. Mm. But I've never met Noli, but I hear he's a gent. Yeah, he How is. How old is he? Um, not sure. I'd mm. say, he'd be, like, because when you're so young, that five or six years seems like decades. Um, it's a big step up to pro, is it, James? Yeah, it is. It's different. It's a different world, you know. Um, being highly successful as an amateur doesn't guarantee high success as a pro. And it's a different, I suppose, mm. it's a different world. It's more of a business than um, just a sport. Mm. What, what was the amateur career like? Um, so I had uh, two national titles. Um, I reached five national finals. Um, all of my losses came at, I suppose, high events, you know, finals, things like that. Um, I had six county titles and five monster championships, but yeah, I got on well. I never mm. really, I suppose, focused as much as I should have on the amateur side of it. You know, I started boxing at nine and from 10 or 11, my eyes were set on the professional side of it and, you know, that never swayed or changed. You know, my focus was on that and I saw the amateur as a stepping stone, as experience and if I could fight the best and even win or lose, I just got in there and pushed them to their limits, learn from them, then that's going to benefit me when I get to the professionals. So you always, you always had your eye on the the professional plays, and that you were just getting experience along the way to help you. Yeah, because it's common in Ireland for people to just focus on the amateur, isn't it? You think you're Joe Ward and and, and to stay in the amateurs for a very long time. Yeah, you know, but you always wanted the professional. Yeah, I know you were saying that the big the big difference is because the big difference between the two of them is the professional is more of a business. But you know, in terms of the fighting itself, is it tougher? Is it harder? So, I feel like you can't. I can't say it's tougher when amateur boxing is incredibly tough. Mm. You know, boxing is tough no matter what. Um, an amateur achievement is exceptional. You know, of like course. I'm not saying that. An Olympic, like representing your country at the Olympics or the yeah. Worlds. Probably the question I asked you was wrong. I suppose I'd word it this way. Um, is it a different style of fighting? Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, you've no headgear. Um, you've smaller gloves. It's a lot more physical, you know. You get away with a lot more. Um, you know, you, you could get a fighter that's not technical as a boxer. He's not very gifted, you know. He's not finesse, but... He'll give anyone a rough night when they get in the ring because he'll just press them. He'll push them to a place where they don't want to be. And, you know, it mightn't be skillful. It might be nice to watch, but he's dog rough and he's going to give you a hell of a night. Do you know what I often wondered about? And I'd love to see a documentary about it or something. The other day, I know, um, there was a... Do you know, every so often there be BT Sports, Sky Sports, they yeah. plan like fight nights where they have up-and-coming British boxers coming in, slaughtering fellas with 20, 20 defeats and no wins. You know? hmm. I often wondered about the stories of those men yeah. that come in and the straight defeats to going in, it's like a lamb to the slaughter. Like, how do you end up doing that? Have you ever got chatting to anybody in that position? Yeah, so like, they're part of the sport as... I suppose we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm a prospect. I'm someone that doesn't want to go down that route and, you know, go in and fight and, I suppose, as you say, get slaughtered. Mm. But that's the thing that people don't really focus on, you know. They don't, they'd say, oh, why is he fighting this person with, you know, 20 losses and no wins? But that's experience. That's where a good management comes in, a good promotion where that's where you learn, you know, if you want to fight 
the best southpaw. Well, you've got to have one of those southpaw journeymen mm. in the bank so that when you get there, it's not like a completely different experience. Yeah. You've already experienced something along that route before. So you know what's what's happening. Um, yeah. But those men, yeah, like I wouldn't I wouldn't go down that line myself. Um, yeah. It would be it would be suicide for management to throw you in with a, a, a world champion yeah, like, like if, initially like yeah like if Shervonta Davis or something yeah. that fight came up like I think every fighter would take it would want to take it that's where the management comes in yeah. saying like this is not the right move for you at the moment but as fighters it's like would you fight this person would you fight that person yes mm. like you could give a list of anyone my weight division or even weight divisions above me under and I'm going to say yes to every single one and every other fighter will do the same but that's where the management comes in and says, this is the one we want you on. We'll move you into a good position. And that's how you're going to get the most from your time in the sport. Do you know those journeymen? Do they start out like you? Do you know? They're, yeah. Do you know? They're, they're going into professional boxing with all these hopes and aspirations and dreams. Yeah. But then they pick up a couple of defeats and then they just kind of fall into that. They could. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah. Um, you know, you see people doing that and they get one loss, then two. And before, you know, you know it, you have all these losses, barely any wins, and, but they could still have that vision of the mm. next one, yeah. the next one. That's They go down that route. Now, you know, I've been in corners at professional events and, you know, you'd be sitting next to a guy maybe 30 years old and he'd say, you know, geez, you're young, like, how are you getting on? Oh, and I've had 50 fights, 50 losses. You go, you're only 30, like, what's... You know, you're or thirty something. You're very young. This is only my part time job. You know, I get a couple of grand every weekend. Oh yeah, get yeah, a couple yeah. of grand every two weeks, and you know, it's on top of my full time job. I just stay fit, and mm. so I do it. So things like that. But managements yeah. and promotions bring in certain journeymen who they know are to step up. You know, if you give a guy like maybe like my age or something like that to a certain journeyman. It might be a step too far. They might just, as I said, rough it out, yeah. push me to a place where I don't want to be and, like, crack me. But Sometimes upsets happen, like, don't they? Yeah. yeah, it's things like that, you know, and certain journeymen do that and it's kind of a place where is he good enough to go to European level, world level, or is he just a bit too short right now? And, you know, sometimes those journeymen are used to test that. Um, do, do you think that... Um the amateur pedigree that you have will stand to you if you were coming up against a guy that didn't have that amateur pedigree. Of course. Because, you know, when you're looking at um, you know, Tyson Fury's brother, yeah. the good-looking fellow, what's his name again? Tommy. Tommy. He was fighting there the last time, but the fellow he was fighting was actually a good Scottish fellow. Yeah. It was a very tough fight. But Tommy doesn't have that amateur experience. Yeah. No, he's just kind of started yeah. that. He's learning on the job, really. Yeah. Like. But you'd have to worry, I wonder, like, how far can he actually go without having that? experience yeah. that he, the opponents he'd come up against eventually that have fine-tuned the boxing down to an art at a young age I know that you know um, what do you think about that? yeah like <coughs> it's, it's the experience you have to fall back on mm-hmm. um, you know my style of training has changed over the years you know it's a lot more clever I suppose and I can thank the coaches I've worked with you know like Pete Taylor Declan Garrity um, Courage Shabalala who's my coach in LA um, for kind of installing that wisdom in me where mm-hmm. it's not brave to go in there and take punches it's not brave to go in there and 
I suppose, get into wars every night in the gym. And my, I suppose, my training and my mindset towards training has changed. But when I was younger, like, I was 12 years old, and I'll do doghouse rounds with any anyone that's in the gym, you know. Mm. It's, mm. like, I was kind of used coming up as, oh, 16's a man, so you're 14, you're a man. Like, go in there, and was it the smartest way to train? No. Was it the best way to train? No. But... If I'm in the ring with someone and they're the same weight as me, I say I was in with men when I was 12 years old going to war. Like, mm. I'm good. Like, I'm good with whatever you bring. It builds and your confidence too, doesn't it, James? Yeah, I can fall back mm. on like that. And that's just kind of, you know, David Goggins speaks about the cookie jar. Like, mm. that's just in my mind that I have that. Like, where I was 12, 13, going to war with lads a lot bigger, a lot older than me. The mind like obviously they weren't the best boxers or I wouldn't have been I suppose anywhere. Still a boy against the man. So I have that mm-hmm. where I know you that person that's across the ring from me wasn't in that situation. Um and even if you were, you're not better than me on that one. So mm-hmm. just that experience, like mm-hmm. as you said, if you're missing that and you weren't in the game all those years, I've got a decade on you. Like yeah. I've sounds, got that, you know. Sounds like my place and grown up. Mike Tyson used to fight men on the street. He's a different animal. At the yeah, age a different of animal. Eleven and twelve, yeah. you know. Um, and he used to bathroom. Yeah. Basically, he I think scared. he had that. Do you know that burst of raw speed? Yeah. And you, you know the way his movement yeah. is with the body. I think, like he had it naturally. He yeah. just needed to be tamed, and yeah. like what got stunned to him, it just pushed him and brought him on, and mm. and just built his ego. Did you ever see him even moving today? He still has it. Like he's, the uh, movement, like he's scary when you yeah. see him move. Like you see, like he's doing a lot yeah, of damage yeah. still. Like, like Tyson wouldn't have been anything without Cus either. Mm, you know, he, exactly the affirmations telling him that, like what he done, you can say it was brilliant, but you can also say it was very wrong. You know, he had a thirteen-year-old child, and he was saying, "Oh, what? Age, I don't know what age he was when he, he was went to Cus." Yeah. 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 But, but the damage was done already. Yeah, he, he had no family. Like yeah. he adopted him. Like yeah. as he's on. Yeah. You're you're not here. Like, you're not a person. It's a mission. Mm. And I suppose that tamed Mike to an extent, but it kind of focused all of that raw aggression, that rage, onto something. Yeah. You know, it just gave him that vision, that purpose, and it mm. was boxing. Mm. But, um, yeah, he's he's still one of the he's, most feared men on earth. Yeah. Oh, he's just... He's he's a different level. I don't think we ever see a boxer like him. And he looked, great against, he looked no. great against Roy Jones a few yeah. months ago, didn't he? Yeah. He looked like so he's doing a lot of damage yeah. still. Like he's a lot of demons too. Yeah, oh, he's he mental, yeah. yeah. I seen I, I used to watch his podcast a fair yeah. bit, and he used to smoke the weed. But uh, I see him doing the five meo, you know, the, which is the frog, the yeah. DMT, and he had a powerful trip yeah. like in this thing, and he started roaring, crying, yeah. and we're looking at. But he gets very, very emotional when he's yeah. speaking about his past mm. because he. He really regrets it, and you yeah. can hear it in his voice, and I can understand where he's coming from because my own past as well. But he actually breaks down crying yeah. every time he speaks about the pain that he caused. You know, there's a lot of pain within him, and I think he is on a spiritual journey in his own life. Yeah. But there's a lot of madness, you know, still there, but he is changing. He's, it's like his journey ha- ha- has been that roller coaster where it went up. But no, he's kind of coming down, which is the, the really calming side of him. Mm. You know, the weed now doesn't do him any good. Trust me. You know, I think 
I think we have a lot to learn from someone like him because he had a horrific childhood upbringing, mm. like what he's seen, you know, um, and then to go on and accomplish what he did and then have people after Cuss, like your man with Don He King was exploited, like. Completely, and, yeah. you know, uh, just to come out of that, like, and for all the madness that went in between, between the drugs and the women and everything everything else and people just manipulating and to be where he is, I think he's an absolute legend, you know, and, and he's done some shit in his life that he's not proud of, you know, and, and that he lives with on a daily basis, you know, but mm. that's part of his journey yeah. as well, like, and it's just about moving on, isn't yeah. it? And he's still an animal, anyway, yeah. that's all I know. <laughs> but do you want to tell us a little bit about your debut? What's it like for a child, because you're only a child, <laughs> being in school when he's leaving, so, then taking a flight to Tijuana, having his professional debut and coming home and sitting in an exam? What, what, what's your mental state? Are you nervous, excited, anxious? Are you afraid? Like, you're going yeah. to Tijuana, like, and all these, you know, we all know Mexican boxers are fucking tough. Yeah. If they're nothing else, you're in for a half fight. What's it like? What was that so, experience like? The debut was an interesting one. Um, I went there with uh, Declan Gardy. Um, he was coaching me at the time we weren't that familiar with each other but I'd done a few sessions with him so we got on a plane um, I think it was 14 hours straight flight I don't know what airline I was with you know the the management that was helping us because I couldn't sign with them I was too young they helped us they assisted us advised and they booked a flight I think it was 14 hours to LAX we got off um, it was I think it was near midnight and one of the fighters came to collect us who was living in hollywood we crashed on his couch um 3 a.m or something we drove down to tijuana uh i met the commission weighed in got my license next night went down to the venue um where i was going to be fighting said to go in and check it out it was a little nightclub little corner a little bar in mexico the guy at the door asked for ids id 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 don't have one (laughs) you can't come in no I'm fighting there later tonight not unless you have an ID so long story short he found out we were Irish so he left us in oh yeah Um, went in (laughs) saw the club but it's completely different from anything I've ever been in you know it's a it's a ring in a nightclub Um, checked it out got in just moved around you know so that I was there before that it wasn't a, a shock when I got in there Went back that night, um, went in, place was jammed. Like, I had Mexican people drunk, banging on the side of the ring. Got in, and I suppose my mindset at that stage was, well, I always feel kind of fear, like nervousness, excitement, just before I get in. And then once I get in there, I'm good. Like, I'm solid. But every single fight I've ever had, I felt nervous leading up to it and getting in. But once I'm in there, I'm good. And I fought, just you kind of do what you do, like you do what you do. Mm. Um, I won, you know. What, I, way was, what way did the fight go? It was good. So I got um first round, it's just don't make any mistakes, you know. Just nice and simple, stick to the game plan. I have my coach in my corner, you know, if anything goes wrong, he's got me. You have to trust that man in your corner. Um, you know, you're going in there and, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but your life is on the line and, you know, there has been deaths in the sport. So you really got to trust that man behind you to do what's best for you. But, you know, it was just about getting experience. I suppose in that situation, got in, 
you know, came back after the first round and said, right, we got him. You know, change this, change this, and you should be good. Went out, stopped him, um, the ref jumped in, got my hand raised and got a big roar off the crowd. And that's always what I suppose pleases me most is yeah. entertaining. And, you know, the Mexicans were entertained and yeah. got out, took a few pictures, you know, everyone kind of running over. It's a bit different for them too, you know, they're used to seeing americans mexicans american mexicans and then you see a little white 17 year old kid yeah. and it's like like the irish lads are pretty pale you know yeah. um took my top off i'm like white so they're kind of <laughs> like who's he like irish shorts on green white and orange yeah. kind of like what's happening here um leading up to the fight i kind of like i told my mother the night before i fought like if i lose i'm not coming home you aren't seeing me again like um there's too many people watching this like oh, no not happening um that was kind of yeah because it was in the news that you were going to fight cause yeah you're you, you were the youngest ever irish professional boxer and you were too young to make your debut here yeah. so it was in the news so there was a bit of pressure on you to perform as well wasn't yeah there? yeah i've been very fortunate to get um media attention and yeah. a bit of publicity and attention around i suppose my career um at such a early days you know but yeah so i had all that but i like i suppose visualizing what happens if it does go wrong and just i suppose coming to terms with that that this could go wrong but you're going to do everything you can not to let that happen um whereas a lot of people stay away from that where that doesn't come into your head there's no other option but to win but i always found it a bit better to i suppose acknowledge those doubts and mm. I suppose hit them hit the nail on the head mm. get them out of the way and then yeah. it's all good but and it's good as well because worst case scenario you get caught cold and you get sparked yeah. up it's it's not the end of the world because you prepare for that yeah. but some people find it very hard to get back from the defeats you know and one defeat turns into two defeats turns into yeah. a run whereas if you're in, in that mental state we dust ourselves off and we go again you know yeah like going in there I said like yeah you could get caught anyone can get caught and get put out cold, but that's not going to happen. And that just set me good. Like, that's not going to happen. You've lived your whole life for this. You're not going to let that happen. So just have faith in yourself, I suppose. Got in there, got the job done, went back to Hollywood the next day, got on a flight, and then came back to school. Well, what way was it like going back to school? It was You know what? My, my friends and the teachers, they were incredible, mm-hmm. like, for that whole year, because I've done that. You know, four times that year, I fought four times during my leaving cert. Um, one of which I flew home the night of, like the night before my Irish oral. So I was in Hungary, and then got on the flight that evening, flew home, got to Cork at three a.m. and my Irish oral was at nine a.m. that morning. That's, so that's something. You know, um, really I couldn't have done it without the teachers and my mates. You know, mm-hmm. they um. What just kind of boxer would you classify yourself as? Would you would you be an aggressive boxer? Yeah. Would you be a smart boxer? Or would you be someone that just kind of picks them off? Yeah, so my whole life I've just been aggressive. Like, aggressive. I'm going to put my head on your chest and yeah. we'll see... Box. Yeah, we, we'll see how, like, how far you're willing to push yourself, you know? Mm. Um, ever since I was tiny, like, I can watch, like, my mother, a few, like, I suppose, tape recordings of mm. me doing exhibitions on 10... And I'm just running in there, throwing as many punches as I can with my head on their chest. And the kids, like, at 10 years old, feel like they're suffocating. Mm. And they just stop. Like, they don't know what to do. Now, I still have that aggression, but 
I'm learning as well. You know, you can't run in there all heated or you will get tagged. Mm. Um, there's an art to this. And, you know, I've been fortunate to train with a lot of great boxers and train alongside a lot of great coaches. And I've picked up a lot during the last couple of years, especially, but the past decade. And smart aggression is how I would describe um, yeah. my style right now. Yeah, controlled. Like, yeah. um, and who's the big fighters in your weight class in the world? In so, the super feather. Um, I suppose around that weight would be Lomachenko, Shavante mm. uh, Davis, Garcia is just a weight above, mm. Devin Haney, uh, Lopez. Some some talent, isn't you know, there? There's a lot of big talent, you know, and they're all young lads. Mm. But it's about working out towards them, you know. Um, I've spoken on a podcast before about calling out fighters and you see a lot of I suppose young lads um, young fighters my age just jumping the gun and calling out maybe not the biggest name in the division but someone that would just rocket their publicity and their profile and that's that shouldn't it's a short sighted isn't it yeah you know that's a shortcut that's a hack um, mm. you earn your stripes you earn those call outs you know Ryan Garcia is in the position he is because he earned it you know people might say oh he's mm. A celebrity, he's Instagram famous, but he has earned his place in the sport. Beat you Luke wanna, Campbell, you know, he's earned Luke Campbell it. And is he's, a, yeah. a Olympic champion. He beat John John yeah. Evan, probably one of the most decorated, I suppose, British amateur boxers. Yeah, um, but all those lads, like even at a European level or Irish level, you can't just start and jump the whole platform and do a call out. Um, your career, lads, your career could be over by the time it starts yeah. then if you, you go yeah. in with one of these elite fellas too yeah. soon yeah would you be confident in your own yourself going yeah. in with, like, so, with one of those boxers now? yeah of course like yeah. I can separate I suppose that fighting mindset to yeah. just chatting every day like if you ask me what would happen if you fought Shervonta Davis right now I tell you I'm not there yet I'm not at his level yet mm. it would probably end in KO for Shervonta Davis if Shervanta stand across the ring for me on fight night, I have no doubt in my mind that I'm going in there to beat him. Mm-hmm. Like it's a different yeah. thing when that man is standing across the ring from you, or that fight is signed, and who's going to win, or just chatting. Like, yeah. do you think you beat Lomachenko? Not a hope. That's the most skilled fighter that has ever lived. If you stand in the ring, Loma, I'm giving you everything you've got. Like I want to see what you're capable mm-hmm. of. You beat these world champions. Okay, I don't care. It's me and you now. Mm. but you have to separate that like yeah. you, it's you have to be realistic it's well. ignorant yeah. to think like yeah. you know I, I know a few like you see a few young fighters saying you know oh, I'd beat him and you're going but it's great to be confident in yourself when the time requires you to be confident in yourself yeah. but right now that's just ignorance because you're not there yet you know it's mm. and it's no like shame to say I'm not there yet. Yeah. I will get there. That's my goal, but I'm not at his level right now. I'm going to put in the work to get there. But yeah, every fighter is the same. If there's a man standing across the ring, do you believe you're going to beat him? Yes. If not, it's not the sport for you. Fair player. I, I think you have some fantastic awareness about yourself <laughs> and your capabilities and where you're going, you know, and, and it sounds like you're really pacing yourself with it. And what I'm getting from that is that you are going to be a world champion and you are going to beat these guys at the top of their level like because you're going to go step by step by step you know and I did see a few of your fights uh, previously 
I followed yeah. them because they used to come up in my news feed and I was like, fuck. At the Hungarian one, I was looking yeah. at that and I was like, Jesus, this was... And then when I found out who you are, and I, then I found out Tom was your uncle, I said, like, God, yeah, this one is a tough kid. I remember a good few years ago when he was only uh, 12 or 13, no, Kylie. Yeah. He used to be training up in Farrah Hoggins. I used to be in the gym now, Robert. I used to be training with Kylie in another gym, weightlifting. And he was saying, hey, uh, Tom put me in with his uh, nephew the other day, but he said, oh, he hockeyed me around the ring. He and said, I, I thought he was 16, 17, he was only 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kylie's about 15 yeah. years old. <laughs> Let's just say that. Like. And Kylie's a hardy fella as well. Like, yeah, he knows yeah. what to do. Yeah, he's not, he's not like a novice. Like, Kylie yeah. was fit and he had all the shapes and everything. But, do, uh, do you know what? Let's, uh, I have a good question for here now, right? You go in with your chest. Was that something that... You just had naturally from a young age. You knew you were just going in there to bang, or was it taught? Yeah, I think it was. Obviously, I'd have to give um, credit to the people and the environment I was in because I was too young to have the awareness I have now and learn the things that I suppose I have along the way. But it must have been the training, mm. you know. My uncle Tom, he was coaching me at the time, and. You know, the people that were with me were all older. I was very young in the gym. Um, just training alongside them and sparring mm. them. And I think it comes back to what I said earlier of I've been with bigger and older opponents than you. So I know I've got that in you. And when I get in the ring, it was just let's see how much he's willing to mm. put himself into this. Like, is he willing to meet me in the middle of the ring? And if he does, who's backing away first? And I think it was just that mindset of no matter how much you're in pain or how much like you're down, he's going to quit first. And I've always had that. And it's, you know, it's pulled me through a lot of fights and a lot of sparring sessions where, you know, maybe if I had that little chink in my armor, I wouldn't have pushed as far as I could have. And I wouldn't have, I suppose, cracked that opponent. Mm. But because I said... Uh, he's in more pain than me. I'm gonna make him break before me, and then that just, you know, that just keeps going. So when uh, when we had Spike on, he was telling us um, when he was leading up to his biggest fight, the one that he won. I think he won a, a, a junior world championship, or else it was an yeah. intercontinental title or something like that. But the fellow he was fighting, he was on the dog going into it. Like, but Spike was saying he was running up the, the hill by the the airport and lashing rain and. He climbed up a lamppost in the freezing cold. He was doing chin ups on the lamppost, you know. And he said, "You know, when he he says he was saying to himself, this fellow's living over in California. He's he's in the yeah. sunshine. You no, know, he's not." And when he was sitting across the ring from him, he was like, "He didn't do what I did. He hasn't yeah. been to the dark places I've been. He didn't train as hard as I did." And that psychological spike knocked him spark out. Yeah. You know, he had a great a great probably his best victory to date. You know, yeah. but it's, it's a big part of the psychological as well, isn't it? One hundred percent, like. Your mindset is everything. Like, it's you versus you as much as it is you versus the person opposite you. Um, you know, it's the most powerful thing you have. If your mind says, okay, you can do this, there's a good chance you're going to do it. If your mind says, yeah, you're broken, it's too bad, and you have to fight that doubt, then, you know, it's it's a big struggle. Um, one of the things uh, I kind of got into with lockdown and all the gyms being closed and things like that, it's easy to fall into like a bad state of mind. And mm. I suppose having a little bit of a, an identity crisis, like mm. who am I? Like, what am I going to do without boxing? Who am I? 
Mm. And I just had to kind of get something to give me purpose to get up in the morning. And I got into ultra running, which is anything over the distance of a marathon. And, you know, I'd done a few long runs. I'd done a, fi- a few 50 kilometers, a few 80 kilometers, and I eventually done a, a 100 kilometer. But I was running 100 kilometers to 120 kilometers on average a week. And just getting up in the morning and, you know, if your legs are sore, okay, when that clock hits 10 a.m., I'm going on my run. And I'm going to do 20 kilometers and come back. And if you have any, like, doubt, it's it's a lot more difficult on the mornings where you have that, nah, your legs are sore. You can't you can't run today to get out and run on, instead of the mornings of, okay, yeah, you feel strong, let's go. But... Again, this is where discipline comes into it. And it was mm. just testing all those things, you know, like I never relied on external motivation. I never needed someone to kind of pat me on the back and say, go do this. I've always been able to say, all right, I'm doing this. And no matter what happens, that's going to be done. Like I don't check the weather forecast for my runs tomorrow. If it's pissing rain, I'm going for my run. If it's snowing, I'm going for my run. If it's 30 degrees, well, I'm getting sunburned while I'm going for my run. <laughs> But it kind of tests all those things. And it's very interesting because I've spent my whole life boxing. So, you know, to go on those runs wouldn't, it would have like, like affected my boxing training. It would have like decreased the quality of my training. So I could never do that. And just that time in lockdown, just going out on those runs every day, it kind of builds that mental, I suppose, resilience. Have you any um, life coach or like sports psychologist or anybody like that? No, so... I haven't worked with any. Um, I've spoken to Vinny Shorman a few times. He works with a lot of uh, top-end like MMA fighters, a few UFC fighters and things, but I've never actually spoken to him myself. No. Mm. You have huge awareness. Do you know, that's all I yeah. say. Like, you sound like mm-hmm. a fellow that's to being doing his homework on this. Yeah. You're reading your books, watching your seminars on YouTube. I guess that's where it's coming from. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so like with, I suppose, lockdown, it kind of helped me in all those areas where... I was doing my runs and then I asked myself, what could I do that will benefit another area? So my mindset, what can I do that will benefit my mindset without any physical exertion so I can do it while I'm resting after my runs? And that was reading, listening to podcasts. And like, I don't half-ass anything. Like if I'm doing something, it's get all in. And my family kind of told me that from like first day. My mother, when I started boxing, was do you like boxing? Yeah. Give it two weeks. Okay. Came back after two weeks. I still want to do this from like, this is what I want to do. It's my dream. Now going to be a pro boxer. If that's what you're going to do, you got to understand that that means your childhood, your teenage years, most of your life is going to be in this one thing. Mm. Are you sure this is what you want to do? And you know, if I, like I said, yeah. And, well, she helped me to that. Like, if she was, she kind of said, if she was going to help me out, they dropped me to training and things, well, then I better stick to the course. And well, we're here now. So it's going to get all in or get all out. And my family always had that mindset. Um, but yeah, I got obsessed um, mm. with running and reading. So I kind of spent, I was reading a book a week, easy, mm. listening to two or three podcasts a day and then running the 20 and just, I suppose very quickly you're just awareness yeah. like your your mindset like just 
explodes and you see things from so many different perspectives so many different authors so many different stories Mm. and i always kind of think like you can learn something from everyone remain teachable because every experience is an opportunity to learn and like it doesn't matter if it's the celebrity on your phone or on tv or the person that lives at the corner everyone has experienced different things in life and we just learn from them you don't even if they're mistakes you don't have to go through them yourself because you already know what happens you yeah. already know the consequence um but podcast has been massive for me you know um listen to so many of them now and it's always great you know even if it's just an hour someone else's life just a quick summary of their story it's it's great listening yeah i think um like yourself a lot of other people have been accessing podcasts during lockdown open marks and i think that was probably to the benefit of us because we started in june last year in the height of lockdown like and we grew popular very quickly you know so maybe if it wasn't lockdown would we have grown as quickly i don't know definitely i think it helped because in the last 12 months in ireland podcasting podcasting has become huge and there's so many podcasts out there now and it's not just about the ones that have thousands or millions of views some of the ones that have only a handful of views of great content you know and i love listening to people's stories too i love the books that you're talking about and the people that you named david goggins and the stuff you're talking about that's kind of what i'm interested in now at the moment timmy would have been interested in that kind of for a long time as well and i used to think it was kind of airy fairy or something you know what i mean but like you reading the books watching the seminars on youtube um huge amount of awareness and sometimes i find it hard to understand that's okay i pick up a little bit from each yeah and i i always take in something out of the hour or 50 minutes i listen to it sometimes mm-hmm. i'm up in my head thinking about what i'm gonna have for my dinner because 90 percent of my thoughts are about food but maybe 10 minutes of the hour i listen to really resonates with me yeah you know? but it's it, it's not we're never going to learn everything in the one book or the one yeah. podcast it's about it's about that journey it's about picking up bits and pieces and consistency just changing the habits that no no longer benefit you in your life and changing them slowly you know and and just keep moving forward and i've i've repeated this many times like when i really needed to to help myself out because of my mental health I chose to get up at half past four in the morning to meditate for an hour, to read, to listen to online lectures. No, I wasn't really able, you know, but that's how my life changed, you know. And I'm looking at you and the way you're sitting and your 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 calmness, like, and I can see where that came from during the lockdown with the books and your understanding and awareness, like... I don't think I've ever seen a twenty year old have so much awareness. And that's the truth. Thank Maturity you. we enjoy years like yeah. it's great. And like do you know you're like I normally you were saying that we were doing ultra marathons and hundred kilometers a week and stuff like that and thinking like this man is now gonna gas out in a twelve round fight, you know. And that's yeah. what I'm thinking as well. I'll, I'll do one of them ultra marathons which is next week. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a show next Monday. Right, you'd be well able. Ah, <laughs> uh, stop. I know, but you know what? You work towards it. You know, yeah. start small and stuff. But um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your trip to Thailand? How that came about and what, yeah. what it was like? And so, like everyone was affected by the lockdowns, and I suppose mental health was kind of on edge as well. You know, it was mm. kind of it was a strange time. Um. I'm not going to sit here and say I had the worst mental health because I didn't, you know, but 
I did struggle some mornings, you know, like what's what's going on? What am I going to do with my life? Um, all my mates are going into their second year of college or find a full time job, you know, and that pressure comes up, you know. We start to question your choices. Uh, n- not maybe it exactly. was the first time in your life that doubt started creeping in. Not a, not exactly. Like I'd never said no. Boxing's not the one. I've mm. I've never thought those things, but it's a case of what's going to happen with boxing. Like, I still don't really know um, yeah, what everything yeah. is going on. It's like, what's going to happen? Um, but, yeah, I kind of had those doubts, those, I suppose, seeds of uncertainty and didn't know what was going to happen in the future and things like that. And, yeah, running was a massive thing for me that helped me out so much. Um, but then towards the end of 2020, I kind of said, okay, you know what? I'm not doing 2021 in the same thing i'm not sitting there ultra running for the whole year again that's not happening i'm changing course i'm doing something and i was fortunate enough that tiger my toy and i got in contact and we started speaking and one thing led to another and it was do you want to come out and do a few months in thailand um to get into thailand you have to do two weeks in a government uh, hotel um because they lock down the entire outskirts so no one can get in without doing two weeks and you get tested twice and you know if you're positive you go to hospital if you're negative you get left into thailand so there was no cases or anything it was full lockdown and then the inside was completely open so it was a bit like a, a barricade like a wall around thailand mm. so i got in and you know what thailand was a, an amazing experience you know phuket was a beautiful place and mm. the training on a different world you know i, I train with a lot of coaches there that taught me a lot of things that are going to benefit my career and my life moving forward. Um, How does the Thai training differ to the boxing training? So I was training fully boxing there. Oh, I see. So I kind of fell into, they do, they call it Western boxing, but it, it's just boxing to us. Yeah. And I was doing those classes. I was doing a lot of strength and conditioning out there. Um, well, it was a heat and humid. Yeah, so it was, it, it never really got below... 25 like if it was midnight it's 25 degrees um hot day like a normal day would be 30 or above but it feels like you're in a sauna Mm -hmm. like it's it feels like someone's trying to suffocate you for the first two or three weeks but then you're you're solid you know and i was living in the gym i was living on the street so i'd wake up i'm an early riser i'd get up and i'm walking towards the street or towards the gym at 6 a.m it doesn't open until 7 I'd get there. I could get there in 10 minutes if I wanted, but I'm talking to all the locals, gradually walking up. could take me an hour and a half to get to the gym. I'm just talking to everyone. By the first week, I knew everyone on that street, and people are living there for years, mightn't have even known them. Get to the gym, and I train. Like, I was doing five sessions a day. Like, I was training for hours. I could have spent anywhere between four to maybe six hours in the gym. And... You know, you very quickly adjust to the heat. Mm-hmm. But the strength and conditioning was the best I've ever experienced. Um, you know, Sean Cobbs, Peter and Holly, they were, I suppose, the trainers I worked with more closely. And the plan was to get back in shape and then get back fighting. The Asian boxing scene is one that I am confident I could just dominate, mm-hmm. especially on my weight division. You know, most of the Asian fighters are my weight, so... I was looking at the the guys ranked in the top 10 and I said, if you give me number one, I fancy my chances. Very early on, well, 
very early on we realized that there was going to be an issue because in Thailand they don't have managers. So the Thai promoters wouldn't speak to my management and I can't fight without my management's consent. Now, my management were willing to work with them and, you know, they were willing mm. to do everything, but nothing could be kind of finalized. It just mm. couldn't be worked out. So fighting was off the cards, but, um, yeah, I just continued training and, you know what, it was, it's an amazing experience. And the thing that was best about that trip was the people I connected with, you know, I traveled there alone, but I wasn't alone very long. You know, I, I made friends for life and people like class as family now, but you know, people kind of look at me now like you were there for four months. You can't say you made family, but you're with them every day. Yeah. Like if they're in the gym with you, you're with them, you know, from the morning to when the gym closes, ye, together you might go as a group and get something to eat and come back to the gym. When the gym closes, you all go down to the beach, um, chill out there, watch the sunset, and you come back, you might grab more food, and then everyone goes to their homes, meet again in the morning. So, you're with each other constantly. Um, yeah. Do you think the man, this is bringing you back now to something. Do you think over there, some of those promoters knew what kind of a talent you are and they didn't want you to fight, fight their boxers? I'm not sure. I think it was more that's how they run things. Is like, it? that's how they run things with the, the Muay Thai fighters because mm. there's no managers in Muay Thai or anything mm. like that. So, I think they just kind of treat boxing the same as Muay Thai, where. Mm. Why would you have managers for this when we don't have managers for our mm, sport? Just a different culture, like yeah. But it wouldn't have been that big of an issue, but it was just difficult, you know. Um, it's kind of they they kind of feel disrespected that you you want to call shots. Like, who do you think you are? You know, um, like why do you want your management involved when it's like they just want like a gentleman's know, just, agreement? Yeah, like this is who you're fighting and. This is it. But again, there's so many little things in boxing where you need everyone on board. Um, but yeah, you know, that wasn't a, a major heartbreak, you know. Um, but you got COVID over there, did you? Yeah. So after a few months there, um, my visa was running up. And because I wasn't going to be staying there for too long, there was no point applying for a six-month visa or anything like that because I couldn't fight there. And I wanted to come home and get my visa to go to America. So... There was no point in me hanging about training. You know, I loved the place. I really did. The people there, incredible. And, you know, I'd, I I love to go back there. Um, And I will go back there. But it just didn't suit at the time. Come home and get back out somewhere else where you can train and fight. Get the career back online or on the road. Um, Went to test, you know, to get the PCR to fly home. Mm. So I booked my flights. You have to test in a like a government hospital in Thailand, so just so they have a, a record of every test and every case and all that. Yeah. And went tested. They said they'd email the result to me the next morning. I said perfect. I felt great. Like felt brilliant. Went home the next morning. I was packing my bag. I went and got breakfast. Came back. Was packing all my things, and I got a phone call from um, some department in the government to say. James, you test positive for COVID, get to your hotel room, isolate as soon as you can. We'll contact the hotel, tell them, tell everyone, stay indoors, and the government uh, or the hospital will come and collect you. Hung up the phone. So now I'm sitting there going, well, where do I go? Like, <laughs> what happens, you know? And 
rang rang the mother to say like listen there's no point going waiting for me at the airport because i'm not going to be there um test positive for covid unfortunately but there's nothing to worry about i feel great i won't be sick or anything i'm good mm. and she was like what's happening now <clears throat> so you know i got in touch with the hospital again well they got in touch with me and said like when you're ready give us a call I said, what's what's happening now? Like, when I get there, what's the deal? And he said, well, you have two options. Go private or go government. He said, you go government, you could be put into, like, a 50-bed a ward. You could be put into a hall and we just stack in, like, people. And it's very cramped, you know. It's not mm. going to be a great experience. Mm. Or you could go private and you get your own little room. He said, it's not great. You just have a hospital bed and your own bathroom, but you're on your own. So I said, no worries. And I rang my mother and said this is the situation and you now she was on tears on the phone said like listen go to the the private one like you know i'd feel a lot better she'd feel a lot better herself if i was in a private one where she knew i was safe yeah and i was saying you know i'll go to the government one because you don't pay for the government one the private one they're expensive so i said listen i'll go to the government one and she you know as mothers do she was in she was barking in tears so mm-hmm. I just said, you know what, for her sake, okay, I'll go. Then, you know, I went to the hospital and, yeah, they they can do what they want now. So they have you in the room and you can't do anything. And Mm -hmm. they started racking up that bill. And, you know, there was three hours in and, you know, I was in, um, the price was coming to a a bit over a grand and I was only in a few hours. So I was kind of saying, listen, lads, like, I'm not doing two weeks in here if it's going to be this price. Yeah. So what would you like to do? I said, I'm moving to hospital because I'm not paying. So I moved to a different hospital. It was it was half the price, but again, it, it wasn't where you'd like to be. So mm. yeah, I was coming I was coming back out of Thailand in debt, um, the way I was looking at this, but you know, my family, massive help and my management, you know, they they proved that they're in my corner for more things than just the sport, that you know, they're with me when things are bigger than just boxing and this was coming down to life, you know, and yeah, they really stepped up and I can't thank them enough, you know. That's great to hear because you were often hear about um, boxers being exploited by yeah. management, you know, and being used and then when the shit hits the fan or they're in trouble or they need to dig up, they need yeah. to phone wanting. Yeah. But you've seen like you've a good relationship with your management. Yeah, so my management, um, instantly I got that impression off them, you know, I reached out to them and, as a kid, you know, just ask. And I always tell people, you know, if if you are in a situation, there are people that want to help you. Simply ask. And I reached out and said, listen, would you like to have a conversation? My managers can share and the management team is Sheer Sports Promotions. Mm. So, or Sheer Sports Management, whichever way. And they said, yeah, sure. Would you like to come to Los Angeles and meet us? Went out to Los Angeles. They met him for a while and then came home. A few months later, they said, listen, we liked you do you want to come out and experience this style of life like i know you said this was your dream but before you sign yourself into a contract for you know multiple years let's see if this is really what you want to do Mm. and they brought me out for three months and i went through a professional training camp the first i've ever done fought one came home and then they asked well is this what you want to do said yes and then they put the contract but they weren't signing me up before that they wanted to make sure that you know we all got along and that this is what i wanted to do 
But yeah. with Thailand, you know, that was, you know, looking back on it, it wasn't that massive of a deal. Like, I got COVID and it shouldn't have been a big deal. But things just fell into the wrong place, you know. Mm. And, like, when I got released, my, um, you know, the fear in there was something else because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know when I could get home. Um, the nurses are coming in every four hours to wake you up. Starting at midnight, 4 a.m., 8 a.m., midday, 4 p.m., 8 p.m., midnight. Just to see how you're getting on. To take a temperature test, take um, a blood pressure, and take your heart rate oh. every four hours. So you don't sleep. Yeah. And then you have the fear of, like, what's going on and what's going on inside. And, you know, I kind of got a bit paranoid in there, mm. you know, and I'm a very, like, mentally strong person and... Yeah, it, it it did break me and, you know, I was kind of in there and the two weeks flew by like that, but I spent maybe 20 hours a day staring at my phone, worried that I was going to miss something, worried that someone was going to message that something went wrong or, you know, I was yeah. just, I was paranoid, I was freaked out of my head. Um, Were you sick? Were you sick during the No, so I got one day where I kind of got... So I couldn't sleep anyway. So what was happening was I was awake for 40 hours and then I might pass out for a couple. Then I wake up again in a panic, check my phone constantly, seeing if I miss something, did something go wrong? Which is, like, it's not what I, like, I'm pretty laid back, relaxed, yeah. but I was... Just an intense situation. Like. Yeah. And then you know that you have debt and what are you going to do? And, yeah. and then you're in a foreign country, what's going to happen? And illness yeah. with the virus itself i got one night where i had the flu and that's where you get muscle aches and it was rough now but it was only four hours like it was just that that just bit of the night yeah that was good i didn't have taste or smell the next day but like after that i was i, I was know. good you know um but that's at least that like you know, yeah tough experience though yeah you know like, something to tell the grandkids about yeah the two <laughs> weeks lying in the hospital bed was a lot worse than getting the virus itself in my yeah. situation, you know, coming from training so hard and so often to inactivity. Yeah. Um, Sounds like that government preview taking advantage of people as well in terms of... I think it's more fear for the virus. Like Thailand, again, lockdown, everything, they kind of handle this where they just... They handle it where they um, just protected their people, you know. They locked off yeah. all tourism. If you want to get in, you do your mm. two weeks, so... You can't get COVID. What happened was there was an outbreak in Bangkok and it spread like wildfire. Mm. And then people in Phuket started getting it coming from Bangkok and all this. And Before you knew it, it was all over the place and then I got it. But there's, you know, there's no one to blame or anything. It's yeah, just it's it's a just virus. Fucking was all over yeah. the world. Isn't that? You yeah. knew you got it. Yeah. It, it didn't do much damage to you. It was yeah. just the... But, um, have you any have you any coming up any fights coming up or are you in camp at the moment or you so, look pretty lean at the moment yeah so I got home um, started rebuilding after the month the final month in Thailand just got back into training and things was supposed to get my visa to go back to America and once I'm there I'm good I'm settled back into camp ball rolling and just stay on top of things and because there's still a travel ban between Ireland and America they mm. postponed my visa now, if I get my visa, I'll just go somewhere else where I'm allowed to fly to America yeah. and do that. But they postponed it again to the end of the year. I don't know what's going to happen because, well, it's all yeah. uncertain now. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm positive, back to myself, mentally strong, and fit. 
and we're That's getting good. vaccinated now yeah. as well. You know, things will mm. start going back yeah. to normal and everything. You know, so there's you know there's great things to look forward to. Just twenty twenty one, just another few yeah. months now that you have to endure. But um, ask you something. I asked Spike, who's the pound for pound? Who's the top three fighters pound for pound at the moment? At the moment, in your Can- opinion, Canelo Alvarez number one. He looks Irish too, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Canelo. He started in um, very similar situation to me. Yeah. Uh, the same commission and everything. Um, He's cool as well, isn't he? Yeah, Canelo. So my training partner in California is actually in Campo Canelo at the moment. Really? Uh, Ron Lellis. He's a sparring partner for the past six Canelo fights. So he's in there at the moment. He sent me, um, I was FaceTiming him yesterday and he sent me a video of Canelo. I was just like, oh, this is sickening. He's an animal, isn't he? Sick, he's ridiculous. But you know, when he fought Golovkin, yeah. Golovkin hit him with some punches. You know, his neck is, and he, he's just, his yeah. neck is so strong. He took Golovkin's punches like that, people was going unconscious <laughs> with, you know. Like he's made differently, yeah. isn't he? He's just and a specimen. He just keeps getting better, which is yeah. scary because yeah. he's 31 now. He's still in the prime of his life. He is. He went up and he beat, he beat Kovalev, who was yeah. only twice the size of him. Yeah, so he went from, was it welterweight, light welterweight, all yeah. the way to light heavy. Up to light heavy. It's freaky. Yeah. And he's but, beaten light heavyweights as well. Yeah, yeah. and he's dangerous. Like, he beat yeah. Callum Smith's yeah. arm. Yeah. Billy arm, Joe's yeah. face. Yeah, I know, I'm poor Billy Joe. <laughs> he broke the man's face. And, like, and it looked he like... He broke his face, like, yeah, Hitting hard, but, you know, but um, and he stalked Billy Joe down as well, like didn't he? He was like a matter of time, yeah. you know. He's he's I don't think anyone beats him, no, like, not at all. I'd like to see Floyd Mayweather in his prime fight when him. I'm, no, I think it'd yeah. be a I don't know, does anybody fight. be Floyd though? I think I think, I think Canelo's too big at the moment, yeah. but I think because Floyd was only small, he was 150, yeah. was 154, mm. um, Canelo's 168, but again. I don't think anyone beats Floyd on the night no, because Floyd so. just finds a way. He's yeah. he's ridiculous. But when you think about all the people Floyd fought, like yeah. you know Miguel Cotto, Manny Pat, great fighters, always won. Yeah, Shane was the amazing, amazing fighters. Not all greats and legends of the game, yeah. and he beat every one of them. Mm. You know, yeah. Delahaye and I don't know it was a close fight, like but uh, who's number two? This is a hard one. I'd go Terence Crawford personally. Mm. Um, that's a good one, no, because you wouldn't have many. We yeah. haven't heard that many. Crawford or Spence, because there's a big debate there. Yeah. Uh, who's the best? I back Crawford more, but there's an argument for Spence. Um, number three. I like Usyk, but not as a heavyweight. As a cruiserweight, yeah. he definitely belongs in the pound for pound because mm. he dominated the cruiserweights. Um, he moved up to heavy, so if you class him as heavy, he's not in my pound for pound. Tough fight for Joshua, though. Yeah. Joshua just a bit stronger, probably. Yeah, and you know what? Joshua has kind of proven that he will take a fight. Like, he's not afraid to, of the challenge. Like, yeah, I, I don't think he's as skilled or as gifted as um, Fury or any yeah, of them. Yeah. I don't think he beats Fury. I, I, I even struggle to see him beating Wilder because mm. Wilder can hit him. And, if like, it's a big thing now of Fury just didn't get hit by that right hand and said that and that's exactly what he done but a lot of men tried that before Fury and a lot of men failed you know every yeah. single one of them hit that deck yeah. Um, but yeah he's he's showing that he's not afraid to take a challenge and yeah. it's an interesting matchup you know Usyk is a, he's an exceptional boxer um, probably one of the 
the most skilled boxers in that weight division at the moment. Yeah. But Joshua's big, you know, he's a lot of power if he can hit him. Yeah. I'm backing Joshua on that one, but it's an interesting matchup. Do you know um, Usyk and Lomachenko? They're, 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 they have this type of dancing, the Ukrainian yeah. dancing, right? That's their their footwork is unbelievable, yeah. and I think that's like what makes them so unique. Their movement, like you see Lomachenko fight, you never see anybody moving like that. The angles he gets, the punches, and you know, and there's some dancing as some children, like yeah, it's mad, yeah. His father said, if you want to be a boxer, we're taking you out of boxing and putting you into dancing. He done that for like several years, and they said, okay, now you can go back boxing. Yeah. So his father's the mastermind behind that. What about uh, the upcoming lads like um, Conor Ben? What should he? I like Conor Ben. I like Conor Ben. I like too. Conor Ben. I like his progress in recent years, and I like his mindset, like who he has, as, who he is as a person. Um, you know, very, I suppose, woke, very conscious. Um, yeah. The upper, yeah, the upcoming lads. I like him. Joe Cardina is another one uh, who trains with Conor Ben. Very stylish boxer. Yeah. Um, in Ireland, Gary Cully. He's one to watch out for. Um, big lightweight, six foot two, southpaw, dangerous. Um, has knockout power. You know, I've trained alongside Gary and I've spared him, but yeah, he's he's the next thing to watch out for in Ireland. Yeah. Um, we keep our eye out and um, I've spared him. I've spared him. Yeah, he's so probably double your weight, right, is he? You know, so he's lightweight. Yeah. So he's, well, he's, he's one hundred thirty-five pound, yeah. um, but he's six foot two and he's a How southpaw. The fuck? <laughs> uh, like two hundred and thirty-five. Is it? Oh. No, one hundred and thirty-five. So he's, he's, he's a lightweight. But he's, he's a six-foot-two lightweight. Oh, so he must be like a rake, is he? And so far, and, and he's lightweight. Yeah. Six-foot-two. <laughs> he's one to watch out for. Um, but yeah, again, workhorse. Um, yeah. People kind of say that he's talented or gifted, but yeah, he, he puts in an incredible amount of work. And he's definitely one to watch out for, yeah. yeah. Uh, trains up at Pete Taylor's mm. and, you know, I was in that camp. And you know, exceptional coach and exceptional fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Someone to look out for, like yourself. You know, so um, best of luck for the future. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Thank a million. It was a pleasure talking with you. I love talking boxing. Thanks for having and, me on. And uh, I think the boxing podcast will be very popular because there'll be a lot of boxing fans. Yeah. But um, it was it was lovely to meet you. And best of luck with everything going forward. I appreciate it, lads. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. See you later. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Hi everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, Don't forget to like and subscribe and don't forget to head over to the Patreon if you'd like to help us. Thanks again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.